If you're walking through the Amazonian rainforest and you start to smell the undeniable fragrance of fresh manure, you may want to check the trees before you start scanning the forest floor for farm animals. The hoatzin is the only bird in the world that eats and digests leaves like a cow. These birds look weird, smell bad, and have a poor work ethic. But what else did you expect from the animals here at Life, Death, and Taxonomy? Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's 30 minutes of interesting animal info for you. Come and get it while it's hot. Oh, you're an interesting animal info barker? Uh-huh. Nice. Uh, uh, and I'm Joe. And I am Carlos. And today we are talking about a weird and clumsy burb that is inexplicably not endangered. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree with that sentiment, that it's inexplicable. There's some things about it that make it seem like it should be endangered, but there's some other things about it that, that make it not endangered. Right. Possibly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> are you ready to find out where this bird is no i'm ready to talk about some nicknames in taxonomy <laughs> go for it <laughs> all right we have the fine feathered foliverous foregut friend we have the one-stop crop shop <laughs> and the totes magoats and hoatsin <laughs> oh that one's that one's rough <laughs> that one's, but it's also called the stink bird or the stinky yeah, bird. It's got some real names. Yeah, that's, got, that's one of its. That's one of those like pith helmet wearing British explorer things to name something. It's like, oh, look over there. It's a stink bird. Uh, yeah. Watson. <laughs> uh, it's not Watson, which makes sense because it, it that sounds like a, a uh, Quechuan word, right? Yeah. Um, but it's Hudson. Yeah. But anyway. Back to taxonomy. Back to taxonomy. Let's talk about where it is in the animal kingdom. And may I add, it is in the kingdom Animalia. (laughs) I gathered that. Uh, It's in the phylum Chordata because it's hard to fly without a spine. No, that's not true. What flies with no spine? Like every flying bug ever. Are they invertebrates? Yeah. I guess you're right. They have a... They're all... All in the it's hard to be arthropoda. heavy and have no <laughs> spine and also fly. Uh, f- phylum Chordata. Uh, we already said that. Yeah. I'll cut that out. Or you will. Uh, class Aves. And order, here's where it gets very unique. Um, opsi, op, here we go. <laughs> Epistochomiforms. Yeah, and um, that is opisthocomiforms. I, 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 I'm, I'm inclined to say epistho because that sounds like a dinosaur, or it sounds like episcopalian. Yeah, yeah episcopalian. <laughs> <laughs> but this is um an order that is the only living species is the ho 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 hot hotson. Hot, 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 <laughs> <laughs> hot, woo, steamy bird. <laughs> <laughs> Family, opsith, opsith. <laughs> This is a bad word. This is a rude word. A pith. I have to lisp for this. No, you don't. A pith. A pith. The. There you go. Pistocophormes is the order. A A pistocomidae. There you go. Yeah, I should have just read it in my head before I said it out loud. Yeah, you should. Same thing with the genus. Um. A pistocomus. There you go. Or opisthocomus. Yeah. (laughs) That's, a, that's so much more fun to say. Uh, so that's the genus, and then the species is Hudson. Epistocomus Hudson. It doesn't have a T in 
It's H O A Z I N, but the the actual English spelling is H O A T Z I N. You think it's hosen? Like hosen down? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like dog, pizza, yeah, where there's a T there and no, it's unexplained or Hazen. Nazi or something Hazen. like that. Hazen. We'll say hosen. Okay, so it is heavily debated in taxonomy. Um, it's given its own order because it's such a little weirdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Some think it could be more closely related to other birds, like Tinamus, Galliformes, the Rails, the Bustards, Ceramas, Sangros, Doves, Taracos, and other Cuculiformes and Mousebirds. I recognize some of those words. (laughs) Uh, Others believe that it could be um, from prehistoric birds. One compelling reason is that it has claws on its wings when it's first hatched. Ooh. Like... I keep putting these terrible things to say in my notes. This is like reading genealogy. Archaeopteryx. Uh, are you ready to be described to? About? About this bird. Sure, yeah. Uh, it's about the size of a pheasant. Describe it at me. Some call it a pheasant. Based, there's two words. One of the words is a river that's very hard to pronounce, and I don't remember what it is. The second word is pheasant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's multicolored with golden yellow Breasts with a golden yellow breast, dark colored back, featherless blue face. That's crazy. Like a like a vulture. Yeah. With but blue. But a little better looking than a vulture because it's blue instead of like this nasty cancer red. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Can- uh, yellow tufts on the top of its head. Cancer is red. I don't know, <laughs> but I, it reminds me of Muscovies, and that they, they, they just seem cancerous. They seem yeah irradiated for sure. Yeah. Uh, they have yellow tufts on the top of their head and red or brownish orangish flight feathers. And when you say tufts, you mean a full-on mohawk. Yes. They have a long tail with distinct tail feathers that splay out. They have a long neck with a small little head, and they look pretty prehistoric. So yeah. if you've ever seen one, like a picture of one of those, like, ye old birds, then it's it looks like that. Uh, so now it comes... We come to the part of the description where I need to tell you how big this thing is. And it's really hard because you've never seen it. So I need to put it in relatable terms. I don't know what we're going to do about this because I have no way of relating anything to anything. If if there was only some sort of like some sort of research you could have done beforehand. There some is a sort of segment, some sort of game we could play. There is indeed. Uh, we This brings us to the listener's favorite part of the show where we put things in. Relatable terms, and in this season, season three, it's in a game show format. Say it with me now. Three, two, one. Measure, Measure up. up! I like that. That was good. I, I wish sang I it. Yeah. I, we should have both done that. I'm, I'm, prom- <laughs> I'm going to sing. I'm going to try to sing in every episode if I remember. Yeah. That was, that was my song. Did I tell? Did, did we talk about how 100% of listeners polled want to hear you sing more? Is How many listeners responded i think like eight eight people wanted yeah. to hear me sing more yes well there there was my song <laughs> i just heard it uh so here we go let's talk about their wingspan it's about so i found very definitive sizes for this one okay instead of ranges so 65 centimeters it's all, it's i also exactly found a range that was 62 to 68 so 65 centimeters or 26 inches how many hotsins would it take to get to the top of Machu Picchu? Oh, I've climbed to the top of Machu Picchu. Oh, before we get started. From where? 
The base. The the Amazon River's down there at the bottom. The the Amazon River, sea level. That's are, how mountains are. <laughs> right? That's how mountains are made. Sure. But before you answer, I just want to point out the rain, the the the, the animal's distribution. Um, it lives in South America, uh, in rainforesty areas, including Brazil, Peru on the eastern side. It's basically a circle, including like six countries, seven countries. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of, but it's mainly it seems based in the Amazon basin. Yes. Um, it is protected in this one rainforest in Brazil and it's Uruguay's national bird, I think. Okay. Do you want to hear a joke that I came up with? Sure. What did the native Peruvian say to his son when he found him in the Hudson aviary? What? Don't let me catch you in here again. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get it? Because catch you in uh-huh. as the native people in Peru. Sure. Also Incas. The Inca is the king of the Quechuans. Oh, nice. So, anyway, you're going to hear a Peruvian theme. <laughs> okay. Just just FYI. All right. So, what was the wingspan again? 65 centimeters or 26 inches. 26 inches. So, we're looking at two feet and some change to the top of Machu Picchu. Mm-hmm. All right. Um... I'm going to say Machu Picchu is 1,000 meters above sea level. So we'll just go with the centimeters one. And... Oh, I have a calculator. I brought my phone. I'm going to do math. (laughs) (laughs) Do math with technology. See, you're supposed to be thinking about the bird and, you know, things you're familiar with, like Machu Picchu. And just eyeball it. Be like, well, I know I can... You know, this is how big the bird is. So how many Machu? How long would it take to get to Machu Picchu? It's a game. It's not a math problem. It's always a math problem. <laughs> you don't understand. I don't know how to do this math problem. Well, you have to convert. The, you said a thousand meters. Yeah. So sixty-five centimeters. centimeters. How many? I'm assuming. We just got to convert a thousand meters to centimeters, and divide it by sixty-five. All right. 1,538. Wrong. Dang. <laughs> 3,624. Okay, so it's 2,000 meters above, or no, it's not, It's two and a half thousand meters above sea level. Sounds right. Um, let's talk about length. It's 65 centimeters and 26 inches. They're about the as long thing. as they are, their wingspan, <laughs> um, including the tail. So how many... What? <laughs> I keep saying. <laughs> How many Hudson would it take to equal one topo, an Incan unit of measurement? Oh, I. Do you need a hint? I'm gonna say. I'm. I'm gonna say. Well, Let me give you a hint. A topo is sixty thousand thotkeys. Okay. Good. 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 <laughs> the topo must be. That actually does help you. Does it? It, yeah. d- it does tell me 60, that sixty thousand is a big number. Yeah, it tells me that it's a it's a large unit of yeah. distance. So it's probably it might be their mile or something like that. Um, so blah, blah, blah. I can't say anything but two thousand. I can't say anything but two thousand. Okay, so a a topo is like four point six miles. So that's twelve thousand sixty eight Hotson. Okay, 
I had no way of knowing that. <laughs> I know. I have no way of was, even estimating. This is my way of trying to avoid a math problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't even estimate. Yeah, no. So I can't do no, math and I can't estimate. This one's impossible. <laughs> um, so here we go. Here, Let's talk about weight. They are 816 grams or 1.8 pounds. Now, I wanted to find a Peruvian monument or statue or an Incan weapon that I could find the weight for. No such thing exists. There is no measurement of weight in the entire country of Peru except for this one thing. On the internet. On the internet. Here we go. Uh-oh. The average birth weight of Peruvian infants decreases with every 500 meters of altitude by a specific rate. <laughs> How many infant birth rate decreases would it take to equal an entire Hudson? Eight. No. Dang it. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to try to wrap my mind around what you just said. <laughs> so ba basically I, they did studies on the birth weight uh, and how altitude affects it because um, Peruvia, Peruvia, Peru is in high altitudes. I know. It makes you sick to go there if you're used to sea level. So they found, found that Peruvian infants' birth weights decrease by 65 grams, there's a clue, every 500 meters of elevation. Okay, so the answer is like what, one? No. So what you're <laughs> looking for is the, the rate of decrease versus the Hudson. Not the not the actual birth rate. So, you, I mean, you were terribly off with eight. Does my face tell you that I'm going to continue thinking about this? <laughs> it's 12.5, Hudson. Great. <laughs> I'm going to put that information in my pocket, throw in the dumpster for later. <laughs> you don't think it's interesting that birth weight decreases by altitude? That's interesting. I mean, that, that's as far as I want to think about it <laughs> because I am not. A South American anthropologist. <laughs> this is the best one yet. This no. is the this is the season finale of uh, of this season. Is season this three. A season yeah. finale? Wow. And uh, wow. I, I I think I I think we really nailed it with this segment of Measure Up. I feel like we've dragged people along long <laughs> enough. We should we should reward them next season with something better. This is this is the best it's gonna get. No. Um. All right. Now with the that the the best segment of. This show ended. Can let's, we please talk about the Hudson bird? Let's talk about some fast <laughs> facts. They eat about 82% leaves, 10% flowers, and 8% fruit. That's the makeup of their diet. Mostly leaves. They clamber around branches clumsily. They're pretty tame and will let you get pretty close before they flush, which is the word for fly away, getting away when things get near you. If you're a bird. Scamper, I think, is the correct term. <laughs> if you show up too much, they'll get sick of you and get agitated. They're social and nesting colonies. Um, adults nest above water in seasonally flooded forests. Hatchlings can climb away from nests when threatened by predators. Using, using their little claws. Using their talons. But they may also drop into the water and swim to safety. Cool. Yeah. So... One thing that it's like, oh, they're colorful, they're interesting, and they let you get really close. Why aren't they all dead? <laughs> um, well, two things. One, one is that they taste bad, apparently. Some tribes in the area will hunt them, but they're pretty gross. Mm -hmm. They'll take eggs, but also, I don't 
whatever. Sometimes they'll take eggs, not not often. But they also are really good at getting away from predators when they're young, so they live a lot. I just realized these guys kind of look like male peacocks without all of the fun feathers. Yeah, that's all I got. That's all you got? I'm picturing like the this these bat-like claws as they climb out of the water. Yeah, sort of like that. All right, so here's the major fact about the Watson bird. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, they are almost entirely folivorous. So we've learned frugivores. We've learned we already we already had herbivores, omnivores, and carnivores down pat. Insectivores. Ever heard of that? I don't think we've ta- have we mentioned that on the show yet. It's somebody who eats insects. I mean, like John the Baptist. Make, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so folivorous means eater of plants or leaves specifically, not right. just plants. Herbivores, plants. Um, so ninety-two percent leaves and flowers, if you include the boat. Uh, and th- those things are pretty tough to digest. Not a ton of animals eat exclusively leaves. Yeah, um, cell wall. Yeah, it's it's tough to stuff to get those things through the system also the some of the flowers and leaves excrete this defensive chemical to make to discourage further eating so that that's another reason why not is that why green plants taste bad is that why kale tastes bad oh i I like to think that's why kale tastes bad it's why salads are bad for you and you and should never be eaten because should only eat ice cream cones exactly a swarm of them yeah (laughs) so how does the Hudson deal with being a straight-up vegan in the most vegan sense. Well, it copies mammalian digestive systems. Hmm. It's time to get a little bit gross. So according to this riveting journal I, I read, skimmed, glanced at, uh, in the American Ornithological Society called The Structure and Function of the Digestive Tract of the Hudson. Page turner. Yeah, put that in your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle John's structure and function of the digestive tract of the Hudson. Um, so this thing has a fully functional foregut fermentation system. So that is as opposed to a hindgut fermentation system like we have. It all depends on where you turn things into poop. Oh, well, good. So Get that stuff done early. So once it's in your stomach, it it ferments after it's been digested from your stomach. In this case, it ferments before it gets to the stomach in a, like a special pouch. So the this this is done in the foregut, which is, it has this uh, sack crop. in the front of its like neck slash chest called a crop, which a lot of birds have and some other animals have. But theirs is different. Theirs is huge. Yeah. It's a lot bigger than other, uh, I saw like a comparison between uh, like a, a hawk and the Hudson, and it's just like it's basically having a huge stomach. It in looks its neck. like a stomach. It's yeah. even shaped sort of like a stomach. I've brought a visual aid. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out to the listener that I I put my notes in a digital format, and it looks like you have drawn the the JPEG that I have in my notes. <laughs> It's the full digestive tract of a Hudson. There's a there's a mohawk. The the esophagus. We have to put this on. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take a picture of this and put it on somewhere the, on ldtaxonomy.com and also Facebook. Um, so you see here, it's got this big crop 
right in front in the in the breast region. And if you punch it in the chest, you'd punch its crop. So, and it's got unlike other birds, there, there are multiple segments to it. Here's a here's a, a zoomed in version of the lower esophagus and the crop. Yeah. So. Food can pass through it. Um, like a lot of birds have crops so that they can keep food in their stomachs and be able to regurgitate it quickly for their disgusting children. <laughs> also, they keep stones in there. Do they? Yeah, to like, grind it up. Like an alligator does? Do they do that? Yeah, because they don't chew either. They'll sometimes eat stuff to like grind up the food in there. But mm-hmm. the Hudson bird has serrated like ridges on in its crop. So that as it goes down its esophagus and into the crop, it cuts up the leaves so that it doesn't eat, f- it doesn't have just full leaves in there. Hmm. And it has esophagus on both sides of this crop. Yeah, it has a lower, it has an upper esophagus, which is where its mouth is, and then it has a lower esophagus on the other side of the crop. Which are sinuous, sort of like Sinu- intestines. Yeah. Well, and they essentially fun- function as intestines, but that then it goes to the gizzard area. So this is all before the stomach. So the the food, the leaves are they go down into the crop and they ferment there. So essentially they become poop in its esophagus. And then like it goes into the stomach. This is why these birds smell awful. They have poop breath? They have poop breath. No. <laughs> but it smells like manure because Cows eat leaves le- or hay or whatever, so it's it smells like that. Also, if birds had a crop, it would be chickpeas. Uh-huh. <laughs> so while uh, the food is digesting in the, the second major crop chamber, that can take up to 45 hours Yikes. of digestion. Because, yeah. like I said, it is not easy to digest leaves, so it takes forever. When cows and stuff do it, They'll, like, regurgitate that stuff and chew it some more. Yeah. That's called chewing the cud. Chewing the cud. I don't imagine a bird does that. It's, yeah, it, it it moves through the chambers, but I don't think it moves back up through the chambers to be chewed again. So it just it just sits there. And, and also cows have multiple stomachs to digest and to eat more. And that's why, like, grazing animals have to eat so much because... Leaves are also really low in nutrients, and there's no protein in them, and it's just like you don't get much from leaves. Great, great life choice. Well, yeah, exactly. This is why, like, the panda bear is trying to extinct itself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna eat this bamboo. It's like I have to eat all day, or I will die. Like that's not a good way to live your life. <laughs> <laughs> that's not sustainable. Eat a fish. You need some time for social gatherings. <laughs> yeah, the panda does. It needs to go meet some ladies. Some lady pandas. And karate practice. And he needs to kung fu. Fine. It's a completely different country. You don't think there's a... No, there's zero karate in China. No, I was going to say you don't think there's a panda in Japan. Oh, there is one, but he doesn't know karate. (laughs) (laughs) So having a huge crop for the Hudson bird means that it doesn't have the well-developed flying muscles that other birds have. Mm-hmm. Which means it's not very good at flying. Nope, real clumsy. So it likes to hop around from tree branch to tree branch. Same. It can fly though. It's just not very good at it. It's got a pretty decent wingspan. You'd it, think it, it'd think, be good at I it. I think it needs the decent w- wingspan to accommodate how like weak its wing its its um, wing muscles are. There's got to be a word for that. Pecs. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Ah. 
It's a bird. <laughs> Pecs. <laughs> this is great. Um, so most of their day is spent eating and sitting around and digesting. So they're pretty lazy. And that's also probably why they don't, they, it, it takes them a long time to, what'd you say? Flush. To flush. They're, they're like, I'd like to not move. Thank you. It's like, let me be 100% sure that you're going to kill me before I fly away. But also the fact that they smell so bad is probably re- the reason why they weren't hunted to extinction. Because usually things that are that are easily approached, like the dodo bird, they, yeah. go, they go the way of the dodo. Yeah. All right. Talk about their gizzard. I don't know anything about that. They gizzard. have a gizzard, and that's a fun word to say. I said that. I did say that they had a gizzard. Oh, good. And their little intestines are real thin. They're small intestines. I didn't look at the rest of the digestive tract. And their caca is about 10 centimeters long. Their what? C-A-E-C-A. I don't like it. I think that's real close to the butthole. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it's called caca. (laughs) Yeah, we got to let the the collared pika know that we do talk about all the other animals' cloacas. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't talk about their cloaca yet. But yeah, so I I guess if you're going to be a slow... You know, friendly bird, you might as well give off a foul odor. Oh, no. Do you have anything else? I do not. All right. So that's all we got for the Hotson bird. Hoatson bird. Opisthocomus. Hoatson. I wanted to say that one more time, (laughs) but I couldn't. So for you out there, the listener, eat some leaves, spend two days digesting, and always maintain a well-dusted crop like we do here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. And welcome to the end of the episode. That'll about do it for Season 3 of Life, Death, and Taxonomy. And that means it's time for some thank yous. But first, we've got a little special announcement. Yes, we do. The time has come to rep your favorite animal podcast. That's us. We finally have some cloth to drape over your torso in the stitched pattern of a t-shirt. Click the link in the show notes to access the Life, Death, and Taxonomy store on tpublic.com. We only have one design on there now, but we've got a bunch more on the way. And when people inevitably stop you on the street and in the grocery store asking about your sweet new duds, you can send them our way for cool merchandise and, of course, 30 minutes of interesting animal info. Please buy a shirt. Clothing is the one thing that separates us from the lesser animals. <laughs> and if you don't like t-shirts, get a mug or like a mouse pad or like a tapestry. And Ooh. they come in like 20 colors. I, I need a tapestry. Yeah, do it. For my office. Get a, get a towel. Bring it to the gym. Talk to people about animals at the gym. Obnoxiously display your towel in places. Peacock around the gym. Very good. With Hotson around the gym. (laughs) Look at look at Joe over there, (laughs) Hotson around the gym. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So do it. Now it's time to thank the reviewers. We've gotten three new reviews this season from Oki Lane, Miss Molly BK, who is from the Yano Yab podcast, which is very funny, and uh, American at Heart who said it was extremely awesome, with three exclamation points. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for the reviews. And if you have not left a review yet and you want to hear your little tag listed at the end of the season, five stars, please. Yeah. It really helps us to, to get reviews, and it helps other people know that this is the place to get some animal info. Mm hmm. And 
Last but not least, we need to thank, we want to thank, Mr. Brian. Mr. Brian. AKA at XNamaru on Twitter. Uh, he does all of the art for every episode and he made the art for the t shirt. So go give him a follow and tell him that his stuff is amazing. Because if you do, you're not going to be lying because it is. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't do it without Brian and his amazing artistic skills. And you can look forward to more of his artwork on our future merchandise. Yeah. So that'll about do it for the end of our episode and the end of season three. But catch us next week in season four for more interesting animal info. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Toodles. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Brain Trust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit BrainTrustBros.com. I didn't like that episode. What? It had so many puns. You love puns. I love puns, but I didn't feel like it, it didn't flow as well as the other ones have. Oh, gosh. It went by quickly. <laughs>